Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. Today, David Sampson is going to be joining us. If you don't know who he is, it's like 16 years as a Major League Baseball executive with the Expos and the Florida Marlins. The Florida Marlins, a team that uh, won some World Series and then did some crazy rebuilds. And he did it a bunch of different ways. So this is like perfect, Craig, because you can kind of ask him if he thinks what's going on with the Pirates is in going on in the right amount of time. Like, are we ahead? Are we behind? What does he think? He's interested in in everything baseball, of course, with the, the, the lockout going on and everything. He's interested in rebuilds. He's looking at it also through the lens of, if I would have done it this way, would it have worked out? Like, kind of second-guessing himself. He seems to be a little bit of a perfectionist, which, which isn't a bad thing. And he is, like, looking at years that he basically pointed out to me when we were talking that it was, these are the years that, that bothered him. And these are like 15, 16 years in the past as, as you know, running a team that he's still like overthinking and thinking about what if I would have done it this way. So I think he looks at, at rebuilds in a very good way because they did try it in Miami a couple of different ways. Yeah. And they did it a bunch of different ways. I want to make sure that you ask him what happens if we go out And uh, we just buy a bunch of players, my crazy plan that I came up with early in the offseason. One of the things that I noticed, and expand on this for me a little bit, there's a couple of different prospect lists out, and essentially the same six guys are at the top of all of them. Like, everybody's putting out their their prospect list, and when you look at the Pirates, it's the same six. The order might change, but basically there are six guys up at the top that are really good, and then everything else after that is is at a different tier. That's kind of what I see when I see every list coming out. The names might change in the top six, but it's always the same guys. What we've talked about before, Chris, when we've brought up like the the top 100 prospects, I think it was like last year when we we had around like four, and we were looking at other teams like the, the Padres, who at one point in time had had like eight or nine. The Rays, who consistently had like six or seven guys uh, listed in there, it was more of, you know, you want your guys to be towards the top because, you know, it's, I don't know if it's a little bit of bragging rights or it's just it makes you feel good if, if you have a bunch of guys, you know, in the top 10, uh, like the Tigers or uh, the or, uh, the Orioles. Uh, when you pick a guy first, you want to see him shoot up the ranks. Some people are upset because in one of the ranks, you know, Quinn Priester fell back a little bit number one draft pick from a, a couple years ago under Neil Huntington. They're upset that Gonzalez, you know, number one pick the first time for uh, Charrington's regime, uh, fell back a little bit in some of the ranks. So for for me, and, and I th- thought about for you as well in the way that we talked, Chris, before, was that you want to get as many guys 
into these top lists as possible because then you give yourself like better odds. You have six guys in there. If you have one or two work out, that that's great. You know, that's that's kind of what you that's the odds. I think your number's too low. Here's the thing, and I'm I'm interested to see what David Sampson says, but you 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 brought this up to me. Well, if we have six in the top and out of those six, two of them develop into really good players for us, that's that's a success. I don't know if it is. So let me compare this real quick. You know, we talk about all these teams that have gone through rebuilds. The Astros did it and the and the Cubs did it years ago. And we saw them go on to win World Series. Uh, one of the more recent ones. Let's look at the Chicago White Sox, who went through a rebuild recently and have made the postseason now two years in a row. And, you know, they were the preseason favorites last year to win the American League in a lot of publications. Okay. They didn't they didn't do it. They didn't they didn't make it to the World Series. But they're a team that's up on the rise that did a complete teardown and rebuilt. Now, they had one advantage. They had a couple of big names. Like when you could trade Chris Sale and re- and reload, that's a big deal. When you could trade Adam Eaton and get three pieces back, that's a big deal. But let's, let's just look at them compared to the Pirates, okay? Pirates in 2019, when you look at MLB prospect lists, guys that are on the list like Mitch Keller, Brian Hayes, and even Brian Reynolds. Now, this is before, essentially, this is beginning the 2019 season. Charrington's not there yet. Now, I just want you to keep that in mind as we advance the 2020s list. Brian Hayes remains on the list. We, we were excited about him. He gets promoted. He's a Major League Baseball player. So we've seen some guys now that have moved up off of the list. And the reason I bring that up is I'm going to go back to 2018 for the Chicago White Sox who are in the middle of a rebuild. And I'm going to compare them to the Pirates because in 2018 on their list, Lucas Giolito and Yoan Moncada, both major league players. I know Moncada's picked up MVP votes in the past. Giolito is an ace on that staff. They had guys that they had already promoted in the early part of their rebuild. But here's their list in 2018. Aloy Jimenez, Michael Kopech, Luis Robert, Alec Hansen, Dylan Cease, Dane Dunning. Those are their top six. Now, of those six guys, after they had already promoted a couple of guys, Jimenez is a starter who, without injury last year, that that guy is a high-end hitter. Michael Kopech dealt with injury, but he's on the team and expected to be in their starting rotation. Luis Robert has been compared by people in national press as a guy who could be the next Mike Trout. I don't know if that's true, but there are people who have said that out loud. Alec Hansen was a failure. He actually retired in the last couple of weeks. I saw that. So that guy never made it. Okay, he was their number four. Dylan Cease is a top three starter in their rotation. I was on a fantasy baseball site this week, and they basically said on the site that while Giolito's their ace, Cease will eventually be better than him. And Dane Dunning made it to the majors and was dealt to the Rangers and is in their rotation. And that's how they acquired Lance Lynn. That's not two guys being successful, Craig. That's five of your top six. Yeah. So when you say, well, I mean, I'll take one or two. I think you're you're lowballing it. I don't know if I would find it successful to just get one or two out of my top six. Because when you read off the top six for the Pirates right now, and this is, you know, Pipeline hasn't put out their one for the 2022 season, but I expect it to look exactly the same, at least in the top six, as it looks right now for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Whatever the order is, Henry Davis at catcher, Quinn Priester, 
O'Neill Cruz, Nick Gonzalez, Pagaro, and uh, Ro- Roanzi Contreras. Like, whoever, whatever the order is in that thing, you need more than two. Or you're not going to be a team that could compete at a level where now you can go out and grab free agents, you can make a couple of trades, and then have World Series aspirations. I don't think one or two is good enough. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess where, where my stance comes from is just the the amount of prospects that, that are actually successful to the degree that you want them to be in Major League Baseball, which, you know, if you got a third of those guys to do well, then then you're you're fairly successful. But once you get those guys to the top, Chris, I, I definitely do understand that, that the numbers should go up. It should be more towards, you know, four out of six. And hoping that even if the fifth guy doesn't succeed, you can possibly fool somebody into thinking that he still could succeed. And I'm not saying that Dane Dunning is the person that, you know, fooled that he could succeed, but he was still like on the cusp of, you know, you didn't know exactly what you were going to get from him. You thought you could slot him into the rotation, but you flipped him for Lance Lynn. Yeah. Which is huge. So, so think about it. I mean, in what I just described, when you look at the year beforehand for them, and then that current year, whereas the pirates have Keller, instead of Giolito. And whereas the White Sox had a guy in terms of Dunning who turns into Lance Lynn in a one-for-one trade, and then you also end up with Kopech on that list and Cease, Quinn Priester and Ruanzi Contreras better be really good because otherwise you're behind the curve of a team that just did a rebuild just a few years ago and blew it all up. See, I don't know if we have that. Do, Do the Pirates have that kind of firepower coming up through their system right now. And, and and if you only get one or two out of that top six, you could easily compare now to a team that just went through a rebuild that started their rebuild only a couple years before you started yours. That It's a fair thing to compare one system to another. The only thing I think is unfair is, you know, some of those guys were acquired because you had major pieces and you could go out and get really good guys. So maybe your rebuild takes a little bit longer, but at some point you have to find that amount of talent. To bring up, right? Yeah, I mean, at some point, there, there's things that are going to have to change, and, and we've talked about this before, Chris, about how the the pitching is behind the hitting. So you are hoping for that, you know, that Keller turnaround that we talked about last week. You're hoping that Contreras, what you saw in Double A and Triple A, and his one, you know, outing in the majors, and you know some of the growth you saw from Priester, who is extremely young, even for the level. I mean, he's going to be in 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 double A next year, and he's going to be at least two to three years younger than, than most of the guys he's facing. So you're going to have to hope, you know, some other guys fill those slots as well. But I mean, Chris, it's it's actually kind of getting a little bit scary that, I mean, this rebuild has to come together at some point here. Well, yeah. And here's the thing. You have to be able to fix your players. There's a commercial that I've seen on television before. It normally runs during national games. But it was some some insurance company or something like that. And they actually talk about how Lucas Giolito was the worst statistical pitcher in baseball and then came back and made an all-star game the next year. But in the offseason, they fixed him. So, you know, it, it, it's not just because a guy comes out and he does bad. Where is the talent in the coaching, training, and development in the Pirates organization that's going to fix Keller? So his story can be similar to the Giolito story. You know, if, if you put these two teams side by side and you look at how things went for one and what's not going on with the other, 
it's almost time for the rubber to meet the road here. When are you going to fix a mix, uh, a Mitch Keller? When are you going to see some of these guys come up and start contributing? And will they get enough of these guys on this list that will be contributors, much like the team that we just compared them to? That, that's my only point. David Sampson, I'm sure, has more to, to talk about with this thing. I want to get to that. Okay, he's far more intelligent than I am. I'm just a guy sitting in a nine-foot homemade oak bar. I'm Bucks in the Basement. Found anywhere podcasts can be found always at BucksInTheBasement.com. He is the former president of the Montreal Expos, as well as the Florida and then Miami Marlins host of Nothing Personal with David Samson. David Samson, how you doing today, brother? Oh, I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me. How's it going there in Pittsburgh? Ah, uh, cold, man. Cold. It, it snows and then it freezes and then it snows and then it freezes. It, I thought you were going to say it's cold because of all the losing that you've been going through. <laughs> man, if, if if it was because of the losing, I mean, it would just be it would be freezing all the time. I that's I don't I don't know if there was too much. I mean, we we got a little bit of a spring back in 2013 through 15 but then since then it's it's gone below freezing yet again don't panic because there's a chance things can get better it's not a guarantee but there's a chance that what ben charrington is doing is going to work but it's far from certain and that's why i, I kind of wanted to bring you on i mean, i've i listened to your podcast it's, it's very insightful i'm not huge into like the other sports i do listen to some of that stuff but if you say hey we're talking mlb at like 22 minutes Sometimes I do fast forward to that because it's it's extremely insightful and especially what's going on with the CBA. But I kind of wanted to bring you on because I was looking at at the Marlins in like 2005. Played pretty well throughout the season. Had a a collapse in September and everybody kind of knew that there was like that fire sell or that sell off coming and, and the rebuild was coming. So I kind of wanted to just ask you, like, what's the mindset like going into a rebuild when you know it's coming? Like, what's the process that goes through your mind? And then what's the process of the rebuild itself? So you you know before a season starts, the key when you have a low revenue team like the Pirates or like the Marlins, that you're going to have a window of opportunity with players and your window is going to be a bit shorter than other teams with larger revenue. So you have to get it right. And the most important thing to get right is knowing when to stop and when to keep going. And when I say when to stop, that means when do you shut the window knowing that you're going to have a reset and then how long will that reset last? And there's only one thing that can delay a reset and that's winning. You brought up 2005, which in my 18-year career was the second worst year of my career because that's a team where we had won the World Series in 03. We had let Pudge and Derek Lee go from that championship team. But then in 05, we had our really whole team together, and we added Carlos Delgado. We added Al Leiter, and we thought that was a team that by all estimations, by all models, we were going to be a playoff team. And throughout the course of that year, we just were not playing consistently. We were not winning games that we should be winning. We were not performing. But the players kept saying to me, we're going to be fine. We're going to be able to turn it on. And that was the year where I realized that that doesn't happen. When you go into a season and you say, hey, we're good, but we're just not playing well, 
And then May comes and you say, don't worry, we got plenty of time. It's still early. And then you're still struggling. Don't worry. It's going to be fine. The players say, keep calm. We're good. Don't give up. Don't trade anyone. But I know very well that there's two other things going on. One, we're trying to get a new ballpark in Miami and it's not working. Therefore, we're not going to get the increase in revenue that we're expecting as soon as we need it. Therefore, we're not going to be able to keep this team together unless we have a huge increase in local revenue, ticket sales, sponsorship, etc. And that usually comes with winning. So if we don't make an October appearance, we're going to have to do a reset and start over. We first realized in July of 05 that if it doesn't happen, we're going to be moving everybody and we're going to start over and we're going to have a terrible 06, but we're going to build back up do a new run, a new drive for a new stadium, and we'll start a new, let's say, runway to victory is what we would call it. And what goes through your mind is, who are your assets? What can you get back for those assets? You start sending out your scouts and your development people to identify minor league prospects for other teams. You look at major league teams and what they need and which of your players they would want. So, for example, we look at the Mets and say, hey, they're a candidate to get Carlos Delgado. Even though we just signed them, we're going to have to move them. And what can we get back for them? So you start making trades with yourself and putting them on a whiteboard and just sort of mapping out what your plan is. And the frustrating part is that while you're doing that, you're still hoping that the group of players you have are going to turn it on and they're going to win. And we had such a collapse in September that I just, it, it still gives me nightmares. And then once you know that you're going to have to pull the plug and do the reset, you just close your eyes and you move forward, knowing that you are going to get pilloried by your fan base. People are going to be angry. Sponsors are going to be upset. Ticket sales are going to go down. Revenue is going to go down. But the amount that you're lowering the payroll will make up for that decrease in revenue because your expenses are going to go down and that you have got the right baseball people in place to make it a successful rebuild. So the key is, to know what you're doing, to have conviction about what you're doing, and then to have the right people doing it. And the big question you should be asking as a Pirates fan is, do you have the right people in charge? Ben Charrington has had, you know, he's in charge. He's had a tough two years. You had the number one pick two years ago. You've got the number four pick this year. The team has not won at the big league level. They did the reset, traded away the veterans, whether it was Mark Day or Bell or Jamison Talon, whoever it was. And now you're just hoping that they got it right because fans don't know because they don't know the players the way the executives do. So you have to have faith in your executives. And the jury is out on Sherrington and whether or not he's going to get it right. But I'll tell you, 2022 is going to be a very tough year for you. Yeah, and, and I was just looking at it because in 2005, team pay payroll for you guys was sitting around $60 million, 18th in, in baseball. So towards the middle and then the, the 2006 you just basically you know just chopped the floor off of it went the whole way down to 14 million just just below uh 30th in major league baseball and, and started that reset where the pirates kind of i know that sherrington came in and, and we wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt that it's like okay he came in you know not at the beginning of the offseason but it wasn't too far into the offseason it was in november so this is coming into his third year, uh, the third offseason it would be. You guys chopped everything, like were able to do that in one offseason where Charrington 
it's kind of been like across these three uh, off seasons, culminating with you know Jacob Stallings moving out this time. So it, is is that like a reason why you know Pirates fans have been just like a little bit more impatient because it's like okay we're starting this rebuild that Sherrington won't call a rebuild he calls it a build and has kind of like spread it out instead of just you know chopping it off at the knees from the beginning. So the question I ask of all Pirates fans. What do you like better? Do you like death by a thousand cuts or do you like just being stabbed in the heart and bleeding out? Right? Do you like a ripping off the Band-Aid where it just hurts so badly but then the pain goes away quickly? Or do you rip a Band-Aid off slowly where you're ripping hairs out of your arm and every little tug hurts just a little bit? I was always a Band-Aid guy because I wanted the pain to come quick, to come hard, and then we could change the narrative. And we invented, right, Wayne Huizenga with the Marlins invented the fire sale after he won the World Series in 97. We did a bunch of what you would call fire sales that we would call resetting, retooling. We did not want to say rebuild. We didn't want to say tank. We didn't want to say fire sale. So it's tomato, tomato, but it's all a bunch of horse hockey, right? It's an absolute rebuild. And you just hope that you're as good as Houston and Chicago and that you get it right and get a World Series in there. And the Pirates just have not been able to do that yet with any of their rebuilds. Yeah. And and you're like the rebuild process for you guys that, you know, the payroll kept on steadily going up. You, you, you kept on climbing. But like, where was the point where you're like, we're going to go for this again? Like, this is, you know what, we've been hurt. You know, 2005 was was horrible. But then now is the time to put our foot down and, and make that stand again. So two, two things you do is you look to see whether or not you got it right with the prospects that you traded for. And do you have a team? You know, we got back Hanley, we got back Hanley Ramirez. We had Dan Ugla. We had Cody Ross. We had that great pitching staff with Josh Johnson, Annabelle Sanchez. So we thought we had a great team. And we actually outperformed our expectations in 2006. And our manager, one manager of the year, like one day before we fired him, that was Joe Girardi. And uh, that was a fun one, firing a manager of the year. That made me smile. <laughs> what you don't want to do is what the Cubs did. The Cubs were in the middle of a rebuild, and the owner got impatient because of the bad press. And the owner said, we're just going to sign somebody. And they signed Edwin Jackson for like $55 million in the middle of a rebuild. And it was a total waste of money. He didn't help the team win. He just cost the owner money. And we just didn't have the resources to make a mistake like that, to make a signing that would, quote unquote, pacify the fan base. And I realized running the team for as long as I did, when you do something solely to pacify a team base, you're going to make a mistake. The only way to make a fan base happy is to win. People can say, oh, he's trying. I love the owner. He's spending money. But guess what? Is Hal Steinbrenner the most popular owner because he has such a high payroll, but the team hasn't been in the World Series since 2009? No. People say, my God, you've wasted billions of dollars. What's wrong with you? So nobody's happy unless you're winning. And that means that 29 teams per year are unhappy because there's only one World Series champion. You have to be disciplined when you are going through what you're going through in Pittsburgh. And the question is, will Bob Nutting allow for that discipline? Will he stay out of the way enough to allow the rebuild to take shape? And if it doesn't, then Sherrington loses his job. But if it does, then you've got your powder dry to bring in a sprinkling of veterans. I must tell you, I tried it another way, too. In 2012, 
we tried to sign all these veterans at once, a bunch of free agent signings to try to get good quickly, to try to speed up the rebuild process, because by 2012, we had broken it down and it started up again. And it doesn't work. It really doesn't. You don't win through free agency. You you complement your existing talent pool with targeted good free agent signings. And I can't evaluate Charrington on that yet because he hasn't done it yet. Yeah, I mean, the, the big free agent signings are, you know, Yoshi, who was on our team last year, and it's technically a free agent signing for $4 million for one year, getting Roberto Perez, but you had to get a veteran catcher because you had traded Jacob Stallings. So there really hasn't been that move. And, and that's what I was going to say is like 2012, your, your payroll jumped up and the team was 69 and 93. Whereas like when you guys did, you know, the, the regular, you know, whatever you would want to call it, the reset, the retool, the rebuild, the team did outperform and you never really hit like your rock bottom was 71 and 91. And I'm pretty sure pirates fans at this point in time would take 71 and 91 any day after a hundred loss season. Well, you say that, but don't be that way, right? We, as executives, we're never that way. 71 and 91 and 60 and 102, those are the same records. Any records, I, it, it, let me go to a Survivor thing that happened when I was on Survivor. I was, at, I was on Survivor season 28, and I was the first one voted out. And Jeff Crope said to me, do you feel worse that you were voted out first? And I said, no. There's no difference between being voted out first and voted out 14th. We're all losers. So finishing 20 under or 30 under or 40 under or 10 under 500, there's no difference. The goal is to play in October. And once you're in October, the goal is to get a ring. That's the only goal that Bob Nutting has. It's the only goal that owners have. No matter what people think about owners, their view is you either win it all or you are a loser. Yeah, and the Pirates right now, I mean, we've we've got the payroll down about as low as it can go. We only have, in in my eyes, we have two, you know, building block pieces in, in Brian Reynolds and, and Cabrian Hayes. Hopefully, God, Mitch Keller comes back and does something or, or JT Brubaker steps up again. But a lot of the fan base is saying, well, we need to go out and get like a good right fielder. We need to go out and pay a bunch of money for a starting pitcher. But what I'm hearing for you is if, if the other stuff isn't in place and you don't have a good base for that, then you're just basically throwing money like at the wall and it's probably not going to stick. There's no doubt about it. And the only way that, that nutting will approve a free agent signing like that, like you're not getting Nick Castellanos or Chris Bryant. You're just not doing it. The pirates are not ready. Their young players are not ready to win at the major league level and they may never. And that's when you evaluate your scouts, your development people and your GM Ben Sherrington. But right now, there is zero chance the Pirates make a signing like that. Literally, the chance is zero. The other reason why the Pirates are waiting is they've got to see what happens with the collective bargaining agreement and if anything changes with revenue sharing because the Pirates are so dependent on revenue sharing to help with their cost structure that if there are big changes, which I don't think there will be, but if there are, that will also impact the Pirates' planning going forward. Yeah, and that's where, um, with the CBA, Like, has there been anything like in these discussions that's has surprised you at all that, that, you know, came out and you're like, wow, I can't believe like that happened this quickly. Or has this process moved along like the way you kind of envisioned it? Yeah. I've talked about it a lot of nothing personal. It's going exactly the way collective bargaining goes between management and union. 
there are it's fits and starts and there's silence and then there's proposals like there's a meeting Tuesday. So you're seeing a little bit of movement by both sides as the, the days continue to roll towards spring training. But, but we're not at a deadline yet at all. And this deal only gets done when both sides realize that they're hanging by their fingernails from a cliff as it relates to the season. And even missing regular season games is not enough to get to a deal. There's got to be a point where a season can't happen. And when you get to that point, a deal will happen. There, you, we are not going to lose a World Series or in October in, 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 with this new collective bargaining agreement, I promise you. The, the owners aren't afraid to, to lose games at this point. Yeah, neither are the players. The, play, the players have a, have a chest of money that they, that, that they can help sort of defray the, the losses the players would get by losing game checks. But I think where this ends is with a shorter season, but with players getting their full salaries. I think that'll be the big give that the owners will do in order to get what they want over the course of the five-year collective bargaining agreement. But my overall message to fans is that everything's fine and that you don't get involved when the pilots union is negotiating with the airlines or the flight attendants union or all the different unions are negotiating with management through all industries that we all count on every day. We don't get involved in the back and forth negotiations that go on. It's just that sports is different and sports is more public, even though it's a private industry. And because uh, even in public industries with public companies, you don't get into the nitty gritty of these negotiations, but they are normal. There is good faith on both sides to get a deal done, but there are significant differences in how two sides can look at the same pot of money. Yeah, and and it's I mean, hearing that stuff's getting heated, it's like of course it's getting heated. Like the two sides don't agree on stuff, and and people are are taking that as a as a positive or a negative. And and to me, at that point in time, it's just like, well, at least they're talking. Yeah, they're always talking, even when they say they're not talking or they're not submitting full proposals back and forth to each other. There is back channeling going on. There's owners with agents and agents with players and commissioner's office with players and owners and agents. There is stuff happening always, and it's all part of the process. Just remember, this is a very, very normal process that's happening. But I wanted to ask you one more question before I let you go about this rebuild. Uh, like I said, we're moving into this, the third offseason of Ben Charrington. Is there a point in time where, where Pirates fans should possibly panic that this isn't working? Yes. If, if the Pirates do not win 81 games in 2023... Uh, that's a, that's a problem because then you're talking about a rebuild that's four years in and you can't even get to 500 and windows for of, of opportunity for teams like the Pirates don't go forever as we talked about in the beginning of the show. So you've got to see progress. It's like with the Marlins. The Marlins went 31 and 29 in the 60 game shortened season. They beat the Cubs in the first round and then everyone said, oh, the rebuild is going great. Derek Jeter, the greatest. But then they had a terrible 2021 and if the Marlins don't take a step forward in 22, then their whole process that they started in 2018 is really all for naught because they didn't take advantage of this window and didn't have the right players, didn't get the right assets back when they traded their veterans. So it's a, it's a very important year for the Marlins, as an example, to win 81 games in 2022. But for the Pirates, it's not important until 23. So unfortunately, you have another tough year ahead of you, but hang in there. And just know that Bob Nutting cares, Ben Charrington cares, and if it's not right, they're going to start again. And that just has me just one more quick follow-up question. With the, with the 
with the people who are saying that we are trying to be like the rays and being able to ride waves instead of windows, what would you what would you say to that? I would say don't let them spin that to you because there is only one team that can do that, and that's the Rays. The Rays are head and shoulders above the Pirates, the Marlins, and every other team in how they operate. They operate without emotion. They operate with incredible intelligence. They operate with baseball intelligence, fiscal intelligence. They find players that, that other teams don't have. My best word of advice to Pirates fans is just watch out for Pirates making trades with Rays because you don't win a trade that you make with the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, and we, we, we've unfortunately experienced that a bunch of times. But, David, I appreciate you jumping on, giving such great insight on this. For anybody that hasn't, go follow David on Twitter. It's at David P. Sampson. DMs are open. That's how I got in touch with him. And then also absolutely go listen to Nothing Personal. It's it's a great podcast, and I, I really enjoy it. It's it's a part of my uh, my little repertoire, and I put it on there all the time. So, David, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it, brother. Take care. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. Now I see the changes in this town. They change. They say one thing, but then the next.